Hello, and welcome to the HPBA Hotcast. With me today is Henry Hall, our newly elected chairman of the board. Henry has volunteered his time to HPBA in the industry over the years, serving on different committees and now as chair. He's joining us today to share his views on how the association can best serve its members. Congratulations, Henry, on being elected chairman of the board of HPBA. Thank you. Well, we're glad to have you. So how did you get into the hearth industry? You, you came from a banking background, right? I did. I was a commercial banker uh, turned consultant, uh, and one of my clients happened to be Skytech. So Chris Flick, who is the majority owner at that time, he and I had a relationship. He asked me to look at a problem, and I've been here ever since. <laughs> So um, I started in the industry 2008, immediately was put on a board, something I was used to, and uh, gained more knowledge about the industry. That was one of the ways I thought I could, could really gain experience about the industry is participating on boards and committees and things of that nature. So was able to do that. Then I was sitting on our national board. And I kind of did the little tour through the different committees and wound up on the executive committee. And they asked me, would I be comfortable being chair one day? I said yes. And so here I am. That's great. Well, we're very happy to have you here in this position. Do you think there's anything else in your banking background that gives you a special insight and help you in this role? If there's anything in my career, it would be the fact that I've worked with so many companies. Uh, my portfolio at the bank was around 100 customers, all of them commercial entities, most of them family-owned, family-run entities, some other ones that were kind of behemoths, but just the various needs that companies have, whether it be a manufacturer, whether it be a retail uh, outlet, I think my business experience with them helps. I think I can understand both the manufacturer and its challenges, as well as the retailer and their challenges. Both of them have challenges with labor today. Both of them have challenges with cost. And I think I, I, I have a better understanding of maybe their problems than someone else might. The hearth, I mean, you mentioned challenges that the industry is facing, and obviously the hearth industry is facing a lot of challenges. Uh, what, what can HPBA and the board do to help our members? Things we're already doing, things we should be doing, have at it. One of the things that, that I think is important, I think a lot of people share that same sentiment, is that we need to be asking our members what it is they want from us. A lot of times when you sit in the catbird seat, it's easy to say you need this or you need that. One of the things that I, I, I learned as a, as a commercial banker was that every customer had different needs. So a lot of them were similar, but it was those nuances in their business where they really needed the help and support. So from my perspective, one of the biggest things we need in the industry is education and understanding of the supply chain. I think a lot of manufacturers probably get it. Um, they don't always kind of exhaust that whole supply chain all the way down and through the ultimate sale to the consumer. They get it from the purchasing aspect and the marketing and the manufacturing. And when I say marketing, marketing to distributors and dealers, I think sometimes there's a disconnect at the dealer level about the challenges that they face. And so education would be a big one. Understanding would be would be wonderful and conversations all the way up and down the chain would be even better. So education, uh, communication, you know, uh, are things that are desperately needed in our organization. We have a lot, we face a lot of regulatory challenges. So again, the manufacturers probably understand that better than the average retailer, but we need to to find a way to communicate those challenges to retailers. They probably need to be open to understanding how they 
can be affected by those challenges. Sometimes they're just working in their business and they don't have time to work on it. This is one of those things. If they ignore it, it won't go away and it will ultimately ultimately drive them out of business if they're not careful. We were talking earlier about the need to directly communicate with retailers about stuff they need to know. I mean, these regulatory issues you mentioned. So I think it's safe to say that HPBA staff is aware of that and hoping to be able to communicate more effectively. Things like this podcast, I think, is a great way to get that message out. So we're excited about the possibilities there. But what other challenges? I mean, do you see facing HPBA and its members? I mean, you mentioned supply chain and regulatory. We're seeing a lot of consumer interest in our products. Sometimes it's hard to fill that because of the supply chain. But what anything else you wanted to talk about? There are, I don't know that outside of regulatory issues, a lot of our challenges are unique to the industry. Whether we talk about labor, whether we talk about training, whether we talk about finances, whether we talk about um, just general good business practice, HR, uh, a lot of changes have taken place uh, with human resources. A lot of us are dealing with various types of harassment. COVID was a big change when you have government regulation or enforcement on a particular issue that, that we're facing. So that, that, that was true whether you were a manufacturer or a retailer. You know, labor has become an issue because of wages and the fact that, you know, some were able to take advantage of government assistance or support. Um, it just looked different. Right. So if you were an individual, it came in the form of a, of a check uh, to you. If you were a business entity, it may have come in the, the way of a, a PPP loan. So it, they were both support supporting various parts of our industry, but it was still a challenge. It was still a challenge to work through. HBBA was even fortunate enough to, to receive PPP money and subsequently have it forgiven, uh, or we'd probably be in dire or more dire um, difficulties when it's, as it relates to finances. But ultimately speaking, the challenges that face us that are different than the typical business are more regulatory, in my opinion. Uh, I'm not suggesting that I know everything because I don't. The things that I've been involved with, at least at my level and what we face in my organization, Skytech Products Group, is is the same ones that most businesses face, whether it's labor, um, policy, um, the idea of educating that next group who will replace us. Um, those are challenges that every business faces. So. I don't know that they're that much different. I think some people talk about them more as it relates to corporate entities. They talk about those things maybe a little more because they have to. Some of the retailers are more family oriented and the expectation is that the child will take over the business and sometimes children don't want it. So who's that next generation who's going to come along and, and run this entity and, and help the, the industry continue to, to thrive. So hopefully that helps. Understood. Maybe oh, I, it does. Okay. And and it, you mentioned the, um, the small business, the family owned. I mean, that's really common among our retailer members. And we see that we, a few years ago, we started putting more work into helping with succession planning, how to get your business ready to sell it if you're going to retire or find the next person to run your business. It's important for all of us to have healthy retailers uh, to go along with our healthy manufacturers to keep the industry growing. So, I mean, that's definitely something that I think is in a way is unique to our industry because it's all our retailers are almost entirely small businesses, small family owned. You don't have the big franchisees out there with 50 shops. So it's an interesting challenge. It is. People have to be honest about the help and support they need. Uh, I can think of the whole idea of mental health and that people were afraid to say that, you know, it's not 
I'm not okay. I think that same thing or that same thought process, you know, is, exists in businesses where, no, we're good. We're fine. And you're falling apart. I think people have to be willing and they have to feel safe uh, to have that conversation. One of the things that I like about this being a member organization is that other members I should be able to speak to. And we're diverse enough, certainly at the, the retail level, that someone who has a question in Texas can ask somebody who's already done it in Denver, Colorado, and they're not in competition. Right. So there is that ability, certainly opportunity to have um, mentorship opportunities in our business, there's an opportunity to um, even sell. You know, some of these members may sell to another member. I don't I don't know things limiting that other than the members themselves. So I think it's important that retailers have an outlet to go to. And some of those things are being, some of those needs are being met by HPBA. I'm not sure that all the members know that that kind of assistance is available through HPBA. I know we put on a number of educational courses during the show. I know we do some throughout the year. I know we make every effort to keep people abreast of the, the challenges we're facing from a government affairs perspective. What I'm not sure about and I've talked to several members here, retailing. What I'm not sure about if they feel the information is given to them in the format that they can digest it. Unfortunately, people receive information various ways. And at the HPBA nationals, we're limited in budget. We can't do everything. So we have to say, okay, well, what's what's the most efficient manner where we can reach the most people? And that's the outlet or format we typically choose. What I think the retailers may need to do is place more value on the information that HPBA is sending out. Take the time to read them uh, and ask questions because it, it really is a form of communication. Even though I'm reading it, people at Nationals are there. They're available to speak with you about what's going on, how you can help. And is this coming to a locale near you? So I, I think in a lot of ways, some members don't take advantage of what National has to offer. I think you're right. And it, obviously, it frustrates us that we can't communicate in every way we should so that people can hear our message. And obviously, something like a podcast is a new way. More people are getting their information by listening to it rather than reading it. I agree. I wish they would all read all their emails. But I know that retailers, they're not sitting at a computer all day long like like I am in the office. And so emails can get lost in the, in the list uh, in their inbox and, and it gets missed. So it's just important for us to keep repeating the same information in different ways. And I think we can, we can do more on our end and we're excited about the podcast possibility. But we've talked a lot about the hearth side. And obviously they're facing a lot of of challenges with the regulatory and and that sort of stuff. Thinking about the barbecue side of the association. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen in the last two years, the stats, the research we do is showing that more people are grilling than ever. They're grilling different times of day. They're home. They're buying new grills. We love that, obviously. What are some of the things, I mean, you've been here, we're here, we're recording from Expo. So you're here on the floor talking to our exhibitors and our Mm -hmm. members. And what are you hearing out there? What else should we be doing? Uh, From the barbecue side, I think, again, the challenges are different on the barbecue side. The opportunities that COVID has brought to both hearth and barbecue have been been good opportunities to, to change maybe the way we do business a little bit. The barbecue side has, I think, grown tremendously in the face of COVID because of the things you mentioned. People are home. People were not going on vacations. And so the nice grill that they wanted to buy rather than the, the you know, the, the entry level, they were able to purchase those. I think people have spent more money on their homes and the outdoor experiences is one of the cheapest ways to do that. 
I think the opportunities exist um, from the various innovations that have been made. I mean, we have charcoal grills, we have gas grills, we have pellet grills, we have all various kinds of grills that have made it easier I think for people to feel comfortable grilling, I think another platform that we don't use, maybe we should consider is YouTube and that people are finding education about grilling on YouTube. And if they're like me, because you press play and then you wait for that part to be over and then you pause it, you press play again and and you follow it all the way through. I think just the opportunities to showcase in the public eye what a joy and how much um, something like a grill enhances relationships when you're outside and you're able to have a beverage and food is cooking and you're able to relax and it's centered around that girl. The opportunity to paint that as more of an event, I think, has really changed because of COVID. I think the opportunities to showcase that um, probably more now than ever has had a, a large impact on it. And some of the work that your Office of Communication is doing with the different marketing pieces and showing, you know, why I grill. Uh, grilling your breakfast and all these other things. Just the, the fact that we're talking about it in a way that we haven't before. Um, it used to be, you know, people grilled on holidays. So there was just the, you know, 4th of July, Memorial Day, Labor Day. You know, it was really just that. And now the fact that people, not that they haven't always, but hey, you can use that at Christmas time too. And so maybe you slow cook the turkey on the grill rather than in the kitchen and because it there is a different flavor to it. And so I just think the opportunities to showcase who we are on the barbecue side has been really helped by the fact that people are home more. You have a lot more people working from home. So smoking that turkey or that rack of ribs, I'm home watching it smoke all day versus having to trust that it's doing its job while I'm at work. So I think people are taking advantage of those opportunities to to use it more as an appliance rather than something that sits outside. Yeah. And our research was showing a, a bump in the number of charcoal grills being purchased. And we... We we feel like that's because people were buying a second grill. They already had the gas grill and they're our home more so they can get charcoal ready. They can you talk about smoking a piece of meat throughout the day because you can you can monitor it. And I also think that you can experiment because if you fail, you haven't just rushed home from work, weren't just fighting traffic. You if you try something and it doesn't quite work, you can just make something else and you're not really on the time crunch you would if you were you know working in the office all day. So we're, these are some of the things that we were thinking about, along with what you were saying about why grilling is over the last couple of years, really, we're seeing a lot more people out there and experimenting and trying new things. I think it, I think it's great for the industry. Just with this, uh, the supply chain could sort itself out so our manufacturers could actually meet the demand that they're seeing. That's tough. You know, again, we're not in that bubble by ourselves, right? That's that's most manufacturing in the U.S. and in and, and the world, even we're challenged by some of those supply chain events. COVID has taken its toll and the supply chain effects are just one of the ways that it's taken its toll on us. So getting back to some of the things that you mentioned about people having the time and maybe not necessarily the the anxiety of ruining food. I think one of the things COVID has also taught us is that life's too short to be eternally frustrated and not worrying about what I'm going to eat or how it's going to taste and and having the ability to just say, you know what, I'm going to try it. Whether it turns out okay or not, I have a backup. I'm here. I'm home. 
I'll throw pizza in the oven if if they don't like what I just put on the grill. And I think that that we're again back to whether it's around the hearth or around the grill. It really is the relationships that are built in front of those two things that we bring to the table. It's that idea that we can get together and we can commune with just more than just, you know, um, communication or verbal communication. We can show our love and affection by setting the mood um, with a grill or the fireplace. It is about having fun and experiencing life, using those things as enhancements to our life as opposed to just a grill or just a fireplace. They are things that I believe enhance our quality of life. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. They're not just appliances. People gather around our products. It's where the, the family might gather to around the fireplace to play a game or just unwind after their day and share share stories. Or you light a grill and we've had people talk about suddenly the neighbors start popping up looking over the fence. What what are you cooking over there? People love to gather around fire and commune with each other. And it absolutely. is. It's, it's relaxing. It's a, it's a part of being a human. And it's, it's a great thing that our products are such a part of that. And we should probably communicate that better to the consumer. <laughs> do, do what we can. So looking ahead, um, I know that, you know, what long range planning is something that interests you as, as chairman. I mean, every chairman comes in with, with special projects they want to work on. And I suspect that that's probably from what I've heard, what, what you're looking at. But what are some of your thoughts on that, on long range and what you hope to see happen? So it wasn't necessarily something that I, I said, this is this is what my mission is. Being from outside the industry and having kind of being edu- been educated over the last several years about our industry, being in those board meetings and then out and about across the country listening to retailers and manufacturers and then hearing the different rumblings in the shadows about people complaining about uh, our leadership in the industry from the HPBA national perspective uh, or even at the affiliate level. You know, me having seen a lot of the information that's that's been accumulated and, and produced and, and the good work that national is doing, I was frustrated because part of me felt like that either the amount or the level or the complexity of the work that National was doing, all of that work was not necessarily being communicated by the masses. And I would often find people saying, well, National ought to be doing this. Yeah, they sent out a report last week about exactly that. Or National ought to be doing this for people. They are. Did you sign up for class? And so it was some of that frustration that led me to think that something was broken. I don't know what is broken. So led me to the point where when I became chair here recently, one of the things that I thought about is who do we want to be? You know, all the discussions about the show and is the show a good format and this and that. I really thought it was time to go to manufacturers, dealers and distributors saying, what do you want? What do you expect from your national trade association? What is it? There's a, a a part of me that felt the need to ask the question. And so that's that's what I'm endeavoring to do is formulate a couple groups to ask those questions. What is it that you want from National? Uh, what is it you hope to gain? Uh, what is it you hope to learn? Um, and how do you expect to profit from, you know, the support you receive from your National Trade Association? So that's what I'm endeavoring to do. We're going to do it in more of a sprint format. We think it's important to do. We know that Jack has made the announcement that he's retiring at the end of the year. We're going to be looking for someone to replace him. I'd like that person that we find to replace him to have an idea of who we want to be. I want it to be Rick. 
written down. I want it to be articulated from the membership, both, you know, what a, a manufacturer wants may be something completely different than a, the retailer wants. So I, I felt the need that we needed to ask both groups um, what it is they hope to receive from their National Trade Association. So from my perspective, it's something we're going to jump in with both feet and, and sprint to the finish. We're hoping to be done by late July. That's an ambitious goal, but that's our hope. I've talked to a number of the people in the industry, both at the retail level and the manufacturers and their large distributors. They all, everyone I spoke to is willing to help. They're willing to offer their thoughts. And a lot of them are willing to offer money because it's, it's going to take money. Is it, I'm, I'm expecting it to take several thousands of dollars to kind of get this done. But what we should end up with is a plan and a program, or at least in a direction about where we want to go. And that will be informed by our members about who we want to be. Well, that makes sense to, to do it that way. And I know that the staff is excited to see what comes out of that. I mean, we, we share your frustration about we're doing a lot of work and it's not necessarily getting to the people and they question and say, what's going on with this and kind of say, well, we just told you about that last week. And I recognize on the communication side that it's hard to get everybody to read or, or listen to what you're sharing. I mean, you have to let people know multiple times. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I think this is going to be an interesting process. Now, you mentioned uh, with Jack's retirement at the end of the year. I mean, he's been CEO for 17 years. So this is our, our first new CEO in a long time. You're going to be overseeing the, the transition. Um, I'm sure you're on the search committee. And uh, so what are your thoughts on that? I mean, Jack's been great for the industry. Uh, we're going to get a new leader. What do we expect? Great question. Uh, Dick Hoffman is actually the chair of the search committee, our most recent past or most recent chair. We are, I guess, encouraged by the opportunity to find a new leader. Jack has done a tremendous job over the past 22 years. And I think his his level of commitment and the choices he's made and the, his ability to carry out mission, at least the mission that he was given, I think is I think Jack's done a tremendous job. I think the challenges that face us today aren't the same challenges that he walked into 22 years ago. So on the heels of this sprint long range plan, I believe we're going to come up with who we need as a new leader. I think it's going to be apparent what kind of skills that person needs to have today. And once we're able to do that, I think we'll have a clearer picture of who we need to hire, what skill set they need to have. It's important that this person understands it, that they're there to serve. And so we need someone who is prepared to serve. And this is not an easy job. We have a lot of moving parts. The fact that we're representing manufacturers, dealers, and distributors is a big thing. Those are a lot of different mouths to feed and you, and everybody has to be satisfied. Uh, a lot of different needs. And so the person we're going to be looking for has to be diverse and thought enough to understand it what they may want is different. So I think we have a wonderful opportunity to find somebody who can lead us maybe the next 20 years into the future. But that opportunity should be informed by this 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 work we're going to do in the sprint. Well, so is there anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't covered today? No, ma'am. <laughs> That's one way to end it. <laughs> I take these headphones off my head. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Henry, and welcome to the chairmanship. Uh, you, you've got an eager staff that's excited to for the next year and see what happens. And I think we're in store for great times, but it's going to be fun to get there. Yeah. And I, I would end on this note rather than just no, ma'am. Um, one of the things that we as a search committee and as a sprint committee where we're trying to develop this long range plan, one of the things that we're cognizant of is the fact that we do have staff. Those staff members come with certain skills and they've shown themselves to be competent people, 
Our goal is not to, to gut the organization. Our goal is to figure out who we want to be, who those people that we already have, how can we enhance or change their roles so that they fit better in who we want to become. I don't think there are going to be a lot of drastic changes that happen. I really don't think so, because I think we already do a lot well. Where we focus may change. And the level of service we offer, I believe, has to change. And so there are going to be modifications and we can't go from being um, one thing to another. Transformation doesn't happen overnight. It won't happen in our organization overnight. What we hope to come up with is a plan where we all can focus on that desired end result. And so from A to B, we're all focused on B. So we our goal is B. So as a staff, as a leadership organization um, with HPBA board, we're hoping to all go in the same direction toward the same goal. And so that's what I hope to accomplish by the sprint, the new person that we hire as president, CEO, the collaboration from the board perspective and the employees. That's where I hope we're all pulling in the same direction after the same thing. Well, thank you very much. We're glad to talk to you today. Appreciate you taking the time to visit with us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. As the Trade Association for the Barbecue and Hearth Industries, we want to provide updates on the topics that affect us all. For more information, visit us at hpba.org and follow us on our social media channels. Be on the lookout for our next episode coming soon. 